I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Did you see, Ruth, that the Pope got stuck in a lift? Did you see that? No. Oh, wait, oh, I thought this was a jerk. Well, it's to test the levels, it's to be quirky. But the Pope got stuck in a lift, and I'm not going to make a joke about it. Did he actually get stuck in a lift? He did actually. That I'm not making that. The Pope did get stuck in a lift for 25 minutes. And I'm not going to make a joke about it, because that would be wrong on so many levels. Ah, Ah, yes. That Good. is That's the best. poor. It is very, very, very it is poor. very, very poor, I have to admit. Because it's only about the lift. You've ignored the whole pub. Mm. But with... Yes, I couldn't... But, re- I know what you're saying you know, there. There needs to be... There must be some kind of Vatican flaw. Mm. There must be something there. There must be something there, which i Something with transubstantiation, maybe. Mm. Well, I'll hand the whole thing over to you, and maybe you can uh, come up with something. Do you ever boojo? Boojo? Boojo. Have you ever known Never to heard boojo? of the word. Ah, well, that, this is, I can now give you a new word because there was this piece in the Sunday papers with somebody called Anne-Marie Imaphidon. Now, she runs uh, an organisation called STEMETS, S-T-E-M-ETS. And basically, it's a social enterprise that works to inspire girls to pursue careers in science, technology, yeah. engineering and maths. Oh, yeah, science, technology, engineering and maths. STEM. STEM. Oh, is that well known? Yeah. Yeah, OK. Well, you're teaching me at the same time. Uh, she's a, she's some kind of genius. Uh, at 11... <laughs> she's some kind of genius. <laughs> she is some kind of genius. At 11 years old... She became the youngest girl to pass A-level, A-level computing at 11. That's mental. At 20, she gained a master's degree in mathematics and computer science from Oxford University. So she's very clever, but she's also very organised because she says, every Sunday night, I boojo the week ahead. Boojo, brackets, bullet journal. Oh, no, I know what bullet journals are. Yeah, but she's using boojo as a verb. I boojo the week ahead. I've never heard that, but... I did a bullet journal for about five months. Oh, oh, like one of those things when you decide, right, now I'm going to fill I, in yeah, my diary yeah, it was one of those. Day. It was one of those things where I was like, right, this is it. I'm finally, I'm going to do a bullet journal. It's going to be great. And then I did it for a while, actually. And then mm. I just, one day I was like, I feel, I can't yeah. be asked with this. Yes, well, that's... It she... took me more time because I wanted everything to look so pretty. Yeah, well, that's what you do, isn't that it? Then I spent more time... Mm. organising my organising than actually organising. Yes, I think when I was a kid, I probably 
um, had a number of diaries which chronicle my entire life from January the 1st to about January the 6th, <laughs> each, each one. But anyway, she says, every Sunday night I boo Joe. I can't remember who it is, but the, this is just off, the, off on a tangent. It's about diaries. can't remember who it is. But someone, a writer, and they kept a journal absolutely religiously, always. Mm. Jacqueline Wilson? No, 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 someone else. And they kept a journal, and then they were talking about it, and like, oh, yeah, this one's my retirement fund. (laughs) And then they just turned their diaries into their memoirs. Oh, right. And I was like, that's brilliant, yeah. Mm. Well, if you can do that, I don't think anybody would have been What's that podcast where they read, you just give someone your diaries, and then they just read them? And oh, then it's, they, uh, uh, it was it's, on the BBC. It was. A, I could never let someone read my diaries. It was a program on the BBC. Program. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah. It I thought it was. A, a, I thought it was. No, podcast. I heard it on Radio Four actually. I can't remember. Um, it sounded good. It was a good program. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Apparently, is but. Uh, they I would, could never yeah. let someone just would, read yes, my diary. I think I heard the one with Kathleen Moran, interestingly. Yeah. Um, Kathleen Moran handed over her diaries, which, of course, she has turned into gold in yeah. several several ways. But she handed over her diaries to the presenter, and they read them back to her, her teenage diaries. Yeah. And then she commented on what yeah. she was doing then. Should we push Boojo? Bu- well, we'll just, we'll just sum it up. All right, let's This talk. girl does bullet journaling. She bullet journals her whole week. She's not a girl. She's a woman. She's 20. Oh, I call everyone girls. All right, fair enough. She says, anyway, every Sunday night, I boo Joe the week ahead. I write down, I write down everything from meetings, the meals I'll make, to how... Oh, but to, wh- to, it moves so little <laughs> wiggle room for, for life. To hair appointments. It's quite therapeutic, and there's something about writing that helps things stick better in the memory. That's true. My boo Joe also contains my gratitude log, a box where I write down what I'm thankful for. One week... I was thankful for my new virtual assistant. Another time it was the car I just bought. Do you think this is a little bit of boasting going on here? You know what? She's... Well, I mean, I don't have a degree from Oxford, so... No, so you can't criticise. I went to a girls-only grammar. Uh, my company's built on the premise of single-sex education. If you remove boys from the equation, girls talk more and feel more liberated. That's true. Yeah, but you girls went to a in, mixed... Yeah, 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 but girls in all-girls schools do better. Do you regret now do not, better. not going to an all-girls school? No, I mean, I don't regret it, but um, girls... It's a well-known thing that girls... Mm. Boys on their own don't do as well. Girls on their own do better. Mm. Anyway, they're making a film of... Yeah, How to Build a Girl. How to Build Which a, is the Catelyn Moran book. It is, and uh, now About it's, a young girl who goes to London. Yeah, to pursue a music career. Well, to read it ages ago. It's like producing or something. Pursue or? a journalism journalism career. That's but she's working. She's writing for a music uh, mm, yeah. magazine, isn't she? New Musical Express. She's yeah, yeah. for enemy. Yeah, because yeah. Kathleen Moran got a job writing for like the Sunday Times or something when she was like seventeen, didn't she? Yeah, she started off. I think she was about sixteen or seventeen, writing for mental uh, writing for the enemy. Enemy. Um, oh, so same magazine as she does in How to Build a Girl. Yes. Oh, right, okay. Yes, and then she uh, she started appearing on TV on uh, sort of weird rock shows at about 11 o'clock at night, because I remember seeing her as a very sort of awkward teenager with quite a pronounced black country accent. Black country? Black country. It's the area around Wolverhampton and Dudley. Oh. 
Yeah. She doesn't that. have an accent really at all now. No, but she did that have... That sounds quite posh. Yes, but she did have a black country accent. Mm. And they're filming her with a beanie... They're, they're making a film out of How to Build a Girl with... Uh, and the girl in question will be played by Beanie Feldstein, who is Jonah Hill's sister. Right, and apparently she can do a fantastic black country accent. Oh, really? It's a bit Birmingham. Birmingham? Yeah, but it's a bit more... Birmingham? (laughs) They're not just saying it louder. It's more than Birmingham. Well, they have a lot of their own words in the uh, black country. Black country's the area around Wolverhampton, Dudley, Walsall, that sort of area. Where's that? South? No, it's north... Well, it's south South of of here? Yeah, Yeah. south of here. It's north of Birmingham, north-west of Birmingham. North of Birmingham? North-west of Birmingham. But uh, these are probably terrible black country actors, but she's been uh, learning... I bet she's had a dialect coach in that. Oh, she will have done. But they they have their own words, like Boston. Boston means amazing, brilliant. You say, oh, it's Boston. Oh, it's Boston? Yeah. Fittle means food. Like fittle-fattle? Like fiddle fettle, yeah. Fiddle means a food, so you could say uh, Boston fiddle means a great meal. Boston fiddle. They also invented uh, a meal called Grotty Dick. What's that? Grotty Dick. Sounds awful. It does, doesn't it? It's a sort of kind of stew. I can't remember what's in it, but I have a friend who's from the black country, and we went down once to watch West Bromwich Albion, who are a black country team, uh, West Bromwich Albion versus West Ham. He said, oh, we must go somewhere and get some grotty dick, which we did, and it's like a stew. It's very nice, like a stew. It's one of those, it's what you would call poverty food. Things that probably cost an awful lot of money if you go to a posh restaurant and get them, like just pasta with tomato sauce, which, if you went down to Italy, would be poverty food, but then they make it very uh, posh. Right, this is the start of the proper bit of the podcast. No, I thought that was the start, but let me no, tell No, no, that was all warm-up. Oh, was that all warm-up? Yeah. What I wanted to say Podcast was... is about 20 minutes stuff, 20, 10 minutes of warm-up, and then 15 minutes of wind-down. Mm. Well, what I wanted to say was, you go to university at the end of this month... Yes. Uh, ...and you still don't know who you're going to be sharing your... No, I think uh, they tell with. me by the end of next week or something. Yeah. Doesn't really make any difference, though, does it? Well, would you not... When you get to know, presumably you'll exchange... Well, I chat to her a bit, but I also don't want to chat to her too much because you don't want to find out everything about someone. No, but I'm just wondering how much you would need to find out. You'd need to find out a little bit. You'd no, you'd a little say bit, hello yeah. And but a little bit, yeah, and say hello and just what break the ice or whatever. But also, you don't want to ask them all the questions that you'll ask them when you first get there. Because hmm. then that, that's the problem, I think. Sometimes you, if you well, talk to someone too much before, then you've got no one, nothing to talk to when you meet them. I don't think so, because I think... What, what you, no. No, I think you're wrong, because when you get there, presumably it'll all be day-to-day stuff. It'll be stuff about where are you going to put this and who's getting this cupboard and who's... No, I mean, well, no, because we've each got our own furniture and everything, so that won't be a thing. But we'll settle into the room and then all the questions will be like, oh, where, where, where are you from? Where did you go to school? What A-levels did you do? What are you studying? Like, I don't want to cover all of that No, you don't online. want to cover all of that. But yeah, but that, those know. are the first things you'd ask online, so then I don't, wouldn't want to cover all that. No. So more, what, more of the things I'd want to ask is, are you bringing a kettle to put in the room? Like, those right. kind of things. Yeah. Just about what we're bringing. 
Would you ask about music or something like that? That's no, I wouldn't ask that on like online. Have that's so weird. If people ask you like, what kind of music do you like? It's that's really weird. It's just not natural. In person, it feels all right, but it, on over a message. No. Many, many years ago, there was a chap on Piccadilly Radio where I used to work. Who uh, and when you when you got somebody on the phone, you know, just on an audio phoning show, you would that would be a natural question: What kind of music do you like? And this, yeah, guy, but that's on a radio station. Yeah, that's on a radio station. Slightly radio. different, I would say. All right, let me tell you the story though. Somebody phoned in and uh, just put, normally people just phoning, "Hi, how are you? Can I make a mention to so and so, so and so?" And you say, "What kind of music do you like?" Oh, I like ABBA or whatever you put ABBA on. So, but this person was completely different, completely left a field and started talk, pouring her heart out about all the troubles she's had in the family and uh, and she said my, you know my son he's, he's threatening suicide you know I really think he's depressed and the DJ said all uh, oh, right what kind of music do you like <laughs> which uh, so that's why it's a question that I like to ask people what kind of music do you like but it's probably a radio thing you're right no, it's just me. I, th- I think it's weird when people are like, oh, what kind of films do you like? What kind of music do you like? It's like they're trying really hard. Mm. But pr- presumably, once you get Whereas in there. person, I'd be like, oh, do you mind if I put this on the speaker? Mm. And then I'd be like, oh, is like, do you like this? What what kind yeah. of stuff do you like? Or whatever. Then it's wait for it to come up naturally. You don't bring stuff up like that. Mm. I think what I've noticed now you're into this sort of chilling period before you go to university is how you've uh, you've fallen very much into teenage sleeping habits. I've, um, I've not even fallen into teenage sleeping habits because I go to sleep too early to be in teenage sleeping habit, habits. Mm, I'm asleep by midnight and then I'll sleep till like half nine. Mm, that's what I mean, you know, sort of nine mm, and a half hours or ten hours instead of what you were, sort of seven hours when you were at uh, college. Yeah. So you fall into the sleeping thing. Apparently uh, children will, for the first time, have less. this is in schools generally, have lessons about sleep amid rising concern that those who get too little of it could end up suffering from anxiety and depression. It's not your problem at the moment because you're getting loads of it. Uh, the class, so these are classes in sleep. Uh, the class is based on advice from the academic Matthew Walker, author of uh, the best-selling book, Why We Sleep, are being introduced this month in 70 schools run by the private education group Cognita. And I thought this is interesting because the children will be given tips such as how to deal with insomnia, why they should not have their phones in their bedrooms at night, and why they must cut down on caffeine-heavy drinks such as uh, Red Bull. They'll also be taught to avoid naps and get 30 minutes outside in natural light every day, preferably in the morning to help regulate their internal body clocks. But I thought it interesting that it's private school kids who are getting the lessons in sleep. So what we're going to end up with is a whole generation of well-rested private school kids <laughs> and uh, very anxious, uh, on-edge, Red that Bull not drinking. already what we uh, have? How do you feel about lessons in sleep? I think that's brilliant. It's like the, one of the most important things in the world. First of all, it's very well giving lessons in sleep, but if you, you have to get up at half six to go to school, then it's kind of ridiculous. But you ignored everything I said about devices, which every single person who advises on sleep yeah, yeah, says, yeah. don't have yeah, your yeah. devices. You have your, you know, if I come to see you just before you go to sleep, you've got your computer on and you're, you're watching some programme on your computer. I am awful for it. 
Yeah. Awful. Well, it's like you wouldn't be yawning now so much. Oh, Dad, I'm t- I'm terrible for it, but it's a, sometimes I get into a pattern. Would sometimes I get into a pattern of like reading every night before sleep, and I'm really good. Mm-hmm. And then I break the pattern, and then it's awful. Would you? You have to get into good habits. Would you say you're addicted to your devices? No, I think some people are, but I think it has to be has to be affecting your relationships and your whole life. Like, I would never stay home to play on a game or stay home to watch stuff rather than going out with my friends. You don't say you have an addiction to alcohol unless it's affecting the rest of your life. You don't have an addiction to drugs unless it's affecting mm. your relationships. I think it's the same with devices. You have to have the same rules. Right. So you you wouldn't say you're addicted? Not, not no. at all. Not close. Apparently, Italy plans to crack down on teenage phone addiction uh, with a tough new law that will send the worst offenders to centres that rehabilitate drug addicts. So it's rehab for phone addicts. It's getting worse and worse and it must be treated like an addiction, said Vittorio Casa, an MP uh, with the governing Five Star Party. The bill states that eight out of ten Italian teenagers live in fear of losing their phones and their connection to the internet, calling the condition nomophobia. We agree with studies showing that expecting likes for posting on social media triggers the chemical dopamine in the brain. It's the same as gambling, said Ms. Casa. Half of Italians aged 15 to 20 uh, check their phones at least 75 times a day. And 60... See, I wouldn't know. I'd, I'd probably check my phone getting on for 50 times You, You check your phone tons? No, well, not, not tons. You I'm do? Like, I can go... You do check your phone can, a lot, Dad. Like, as much as I do, I think. Maybe not quite as much. I can go half a day sometimes without... I check. But I, sometimes I go a full day and don't check anything. Mm. You never really do that. No, I never go a full day. But I'm just saying, I think I don't think it's a strictly young people's issue. No, I, I, you're right. And I think sometimes right, it can become not. a, it can become a. Oh, look at young people and their phones. Yeah, type no, thing. I agree with you. But I, I think it's an everyone thing, same as addiction that. always is. Yeah. No, I'm, uh, I think for once, for once, you're absolutely spot on. Uh, for once? Yeah, I mean, you see, I, I saw, you were talking about Parliament, I saw some uh, footage of the last day in Parliament, mm. and the number of MPs who are sitting there on their yeah, phones yeah. in Parliament, you know, the mother of all parliaments and everything. It's not Pitt the Younger. They're sitting there, you know, yeah. looking at their phones. So it, it's not... Unfortunately, though, it's a bit of one of those things where it's kind of the nature of the beast, is that... The people who've designed all the all the apps and Twitter and yeah, everything. Yeah, and that's they they're made to be addictive. Like they've done they've done studies on it. The colours, the everything is made to, and the way they work is made to want you to click back on and stuff. Mm. And then there's also a thing of like, uh, if you're in a job or something, it can be so beneficial to have like a following on stuff, and you mm. can't get that unless you're turned on all the time. No, which is sad because no one should have to be. But we say this about um, phones and stuff. But Margaret Atwood, when I went to see her, like talking live about the release of her new book, she said when it comes to fighting against like oppression and climate crises and stuff, crises, mm, crises, yeah, yeah, and stuff like that, that she said like technology was the biggest tool we had. Since you raised it, the Margaret Atwood event you went to, this was Margaret Atwood uh, live at the National Theatre being interviewed on the release of a new book, Testaments. And then it also had um, extracts from the book read by actors. And you've got the book, you bought it on the the first day? Yes. You went straight out. Read a couple of chapters. 
Have you? Is it good? Yeah, very good. Mm. Very, very good. Well, you're good. a big fan of The Handmaid's Tale. You Love mentioned it, that yeah. here before. It was brilliant. But before we talk about that, I think we talk about British politics because Margaret Atwood says, well, shoot, so when I went to see this thing, it's kind of all interlinked. When I went to see this thing last night, they did do a couple of reference, you know, to Boris Johnson and the proroguing of um, Parliament and stuff. And Margaret Atwood seems to think it's awful and just terrible and stuff. And so this is one of her lines from The Handmaid's Tale that they read. That was when they suspended the Constitution. They said it would be temporary. There wasn't even any rioting in the streets. People stayed home at night watching television, looking for some direction. There wasn't even an enemy you could put your finger on. You especially are worried about likening things to dystopian futures or or to past totalitarian Mm. regimes and stuff. But it is interesting that Margaret Atwood, who is unbelievably intelligent did say this is what it looks like <laughs> so are you saying margaret atwood agrees with you or you agree with margaret i agree atwood? with margaret atwood but i'm just saying that it, it, so do you think that uh, you don't like to be, i don't i don't like to be the constitution together and that's what's going to happen no i don't think, think that is what's going to happen no no i don't think that is what's going to happen but i'm just saying it is interesting there wasn't any writing on the streets it's what well, why would they rising on the streets? I mean, Parliament often closes down before the Queen's um, speech. The, it's no big deal. No, but the whatchamacallit, the court said it was unlawful hmm. to suspend Parliament. What is right and wrong if it's not the rule of law? But, if the rule of law is saying it is unlawful, then what do we have left to rest on? If they said it was unlawful, he then appealed, and they said, forget it, you know, your appeal fails. Well, then it... Is against the law, but you you know you can't. They're they're just giving their opinion on it. If you believe what Margaret Atwood said, it's going to prorogue Parliament, and uh, you're all going to have to be dressed up in those. No, I don't. I costumes. don't believe that. I don't believe that. I'm just saying. I think there's a balance between like cat- completely catastrophic thinking and saying. It's all right, it's all under control, it's all right, it's all under control. But also don't forget, at the end of the day, it's an argument that's going on at the moment. That's what's happening at the moment. It's an argument between people who want to remain in the uh, EU and people who want to leave the EU. And no, they're I using know, I any know. bullets they can to reinforce their argument. Do you understand that? But I just think it is... See, I think it's... it's I think it's worse than you think and not as bad as a dystopian future. You yeah. can't take anything at face value at the moment because... But exactly, is that not the scariest thing well it, is that you can't take anything at face value and that's that is the end that is the end of the quote is there was there's not even an enemy you can put your finger on no well, that's true because everyone mean, is yeah that's true and that's but and that's that is a, a lot of the handmaid's tale and i'm not i'm not saying that this is it, it in any way similar to the handmaid's tale or anything like that and just saying that there are lessons to be learned from it everything in the book that happens has Nazi, happened somewhere Nazi stuff in there? But everything in the book that has ha- that's what she says everything mm. in the book has happened somewhere at some point in history mm. so there's a lot of it based in Puritan New England uh, part of it is communist is, uh, there's concentration camps which is Nazi there's stuff uh, based in um, the oh, yeah. Sharia law and stuff yeah, yeah. That, and especially that was going on in the 80s it's based in all different parts of history or whatever but it also happens in the present and the testaments I gather from reading, I've not read the book so I've got, and I've not seen the TV show so I can't really comment but uh, the Testaments, I gather, is more optimistic than The Handmaid's Tale. That's what I've yeah, I think so. That's what she says. Although, I mean, I've only read 
a couple of chapters, so I don't know. But it doesn't seem that optimistic now. Doesn't it? There's, she's picked out new stuff from history, and she's got new terrifying yeah. things um, in it. Uh, I quite like the costumes, though, the uniforms. They look... Uh, what, know, those see, red ones? Yeah. You see people wear them in uh, protests, and they're quite striking. Yeah, they asked her about that last night, um, and she said, oh, yeah, it's brilliant. She she is great there, but she said that the She's biggest Canadian. thing, yeah, Canadian. Mm. She said that the biggest She's got thing, wild, wild hair. The only thing I, I um, let me finish my sentence. Okay. She said well, that well, the, you can't let me finish my sentence. No, yeah, I, you finished tons of sentences. She said that the biggest thing facing us is climate change, mm. not like feminist issues or anything. So that's not in the books. So. Yeah, <clears throat> massively. What climate change? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In what way is that? That's that's why the whole thing happens. She said the, there was floods and hurricanes and tornadoes, uh, a falling birth rate, and then all of this happened. And she says that the two were completely interwoven, for, uh, right. sort of the oppression of women and climate change. Is that whenever things turn to chaos that you that comes after a climate crisis, the first people to suffer are women. Really? Yeah. And what was she based that on? I'm trying to think. When anything... So she wasn't even just saying, like, climate crises. She was saying that in any situation, if there's war, if, if, if the balances are completely changed, if there's chaos in the world, the first people to suffer are always women and then children. Should we have a look at some of the emails? Yes, let's. Let's indeed. David Adcock uh, sent us a little joke f- uh, to test the levels with, but oh. I, I thought it was even worse than mine, to be honest. He said, did Oh my you- God, and that one was pretty bad. Yeah. Did you hear about the maths teacher who had a phobia of negative numbers? He'd stop at nothing to avoid them. See, told you. I think that's better than your joke, though. Do you really? Howard Graham raises an interesting point. It's about our music, and he says, The music section tickled my fancy this week, and for once enabled me to find a tenuous connection between your two choices. Uh, The soundtrack to Goodbye Girl, that was the one I played last week, by David Gates, uh, was indeed, as Ruthie said, a bit tepid. But Bread, that was the band that David Gates was in, produced some brilliant music, and the album Guitar Man still sounds great today. It is rare that I know any of Ruthie's selections, although some sound great, but it just so happens that my daughter met her husband at the home of Jack Steadman of Bombay Bicycle Club. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Albeit by virtue of being a school friend of his sister. Oh. So, um, there you go. But he says, this brings me on to my main point of the day. Ruthie's derision of your Spotify playlist is somewhat harsh. But no, I don't. Can I just be really clear? Mm. I think your Spotify playlist has got some great songs on. I think it's got a great selection of songs. It's how much you talk about the Spotify playlist that annoys me. Okay. Well, he says you're being somewhat harsh. He says, but there is a more important point about the impact of Spotify et al. and how we now listen to music. We're now all obsessed with playlists. I'm probably as bad as the next person. But this has led to the digital demise... (laughs) Unless the next person is Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Depends who you stood next to. (laughs) But this has led to the digital demise of the album. My formative years are all involved in some way listening to some of those great albums of the past, albums that still resonate today. Yes, some of those albums contain weaker tracks, which are half the attraction, actually, because you wait- when you listen to an album, you're waiting for the tracks that you really wanted. Mm-hmm. But there was something about the track order that made the individual tracks part of a larger whole. And even to this day, I can listen to one of those classic albums and know what song is coming next. Ruthie, like my children, you have an eclectic music taste which probably has no boundaries. 
but you would undoubtedly broaden yeah, reggae. <laughs> would undoubtedly broaden your music experience by listening to some of the great albums of the last sixty years. I think that is Howard. really true. I yeah. very I, I'm always mean to, to but I very rarely album. listen to whole um, albums all the way through. Chris writes to us and says, "Hi, Martin and Ruth. I'm a recent convert, Hi, and I'm yeah, well done. And I'm doing your um, children's yeah, television yeah. presenting bit. She's uh, available." <laughs> She's just practising at the moment. Uh, I'm a recent convert. I'm really enjoying the backlog of podcasts. Uh, He says, having just listened to the uh, Twitter followers podcast featuring the Oprah and Miley Cyrus quiz. I don't know what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know that. When when you were saying, who do you think has more Twitter followers? Oh, yeah, yeah. I forget the old ones. It was um, like two weeks ago. It? Yeah, it <laughs> it's fairly you. ancient history. Yeah. If you weren't aware, it's perfectly possible to follow people on Twitter completely incognito using the lists feature. Hmm. I work in cybersecurity and use Twitter for research purposes and no one knows who I follow. Sounds like he's a spy, but yeah. Mm. I may or may not be following both of you, exclamation mark. Keep up the good work. That's Chris in Edinburgh, who... Uh, Particularly requested that I didn't use his real his full name. He's oh. Chris in Edinburgh. See, because he's a spy. Mm. Sean Dwyer, who couldn't care less whether we use his full name, says, Hello, Martin and Ruth. I'd probably fall into the crony category. I've been listening since episode one. Um, I've got a daughter, Ruth's age, so it's been useful as well as funny and entertaining. Uh, like Ruth, my daughter starts university next week, and while I'll miss her, I'm excited for her starting her independent life. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing the parallels and differences between university and Ireland, because he's from uh, Ireland, and the UK. Neil Saunders writes to us, and he says about cash machine etiquette. Uh, Ruth said the etiquette is four steps back. He says, but I want to. I agree with that. You should be four steps away. But to gauge the four steps, you have to go and stand directly behind the person. <laughs> And then, you know, which is a bit weird, isn't it? And yeah, pace it's a little out bit four weird. steps back. So, Stephen Hurst, this is on the, uh, we were talking about sex education this week, and you never had those lessons where they put a condom on a cucumber. He says, I remember at my rough council estate school in Leeds, the teacher announced that we would be putting a condom on a cucumber. A voice came from the back of the class, Sir, what's a cucumber? <laughs> uh, so, uh, anyway, he's wishing you all the best at university as well. That was better than both the other jerks. <clears throat> it was, actually. Uh, and Chris Bryant says, Hi, both. And this is advice for people like yourself, Ruth, going to university, starting right. university. He says, The best advice I got about going away to uni is to take a doorstop. Keeping... Oh, yeah, I've had this oh, a couple you? of times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, he says, Keeping your bedroom door open makes it welcoming for people to come and say hi. And if you want to, you can make your room the default place for people to come and hang out. I took a doorstop in my first year, and I'm convinced it helped me make a lot of friends. Ah, that's good. If you do want to email us, and we'd love to, as you hear, we read them all out, and we'd love to get them, it's martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. It's martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> it certainly is. And now it's time. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Have some music. I'm going to go way back in time uh, this week to the mid-50s, Ruth, the mid-50s. Gosh, you must have only been about 12 then. Mm, The craze in the mid-50s, very amusing. (laughs) The craze in the mid-50s was for doo-wop. These were uh, four guys or four girls who would, um, they used to call it under the street lamp. They would sit under the street lamp and they would harmonise, no need for any backing. But then, of course, it was uh, commercialised a wee bit and it became a sort of fusion between R&B and, I suppose, what you can call barbershop quartet type singing and became very popular from the 50s really up to the early 60s and then obviously people like Carole King were influenced by Do What and this is a fairly obscure one it's Shirley Gunter and the Queens Shoot, loads of uh, do up like songs. It. Yeah, well, the the and they always used to say they do the thing, oop, shoop, oopie doobie doobie doob, and then they'd say to the guy on the sax, "You have a go now." And there was always that little sax solo in the middle. Enjoy that a lot. Good. Now I'm going to enjoy yours because obviously the song is very very familiar to me. Is it? Yeah. Have what, you... Why? Oh well, let's listen to. Should we listen? Okay. To it? Well, let's. Yeah. So this is a song called "I'm Not in Love" by Kelsey Lou. Just 
Yes, that's very, very familiar to me. Uh, not a nice version by Kelsey Lou, uh, yes. but it's an almost note for note cover of uh, a 1975 song, about 75 anyway, by uh, 10CC. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's um, that's this is her first song of 2019, and it's off kilter cover of 10CC's "I'm Not in Love." Yeah, yeah it's very nice. She does it exactly the way they do it. But uh, I just thought she's really really brilliant she's um from north well she was raised in north carolina um and she was she's a classical cellist um originally uh, but she was brought up as in a jehovah's witnesses household obviously Mm -hmm. not anymore um and she wasn't allowed you know to see anyone outside of the congregation and stuff like that she also worked with um samper on a cover of Joni Mitchell's River. Um, but her all her songs are just, like, beautiful, you can imagine, and it's all very, like, dreamy. And this song I actually heard because it was on the Euphoria playlist. Euphoria you know, television programme. The TV show, yeah. Mm. But we, we, are you watching Euphoria on I've TV? watched more of it than you have. I've not finished mm. it. But oh, well, you, I, was a bit I can't watch it with you. you. No, it's, it's so rude. It's literally <laughs> the rudest thing. We watch like it's not a We watch, watch like ten minutes of the first episode yeah. and then on that. But it's very good if you um, fancy well, it, it. It's weird if you're not into yeah, like it's probably more for your generation. But yeah, oh uh, gosh, people um, absolutely love it. And what we would say is not a program to watch with your dad. Mm, probably not, not really all. a program to watch with your mum. To be honest. I'd watch you with some of my friends, but I wouldn't even watch you with all of my friends. It's so rude. It's very, yeah. Well, the song, I'm not... See, it just proves... But obviously she's got a lot of... She's got other songs that are original and stuff. But nice to hear This that, is her yeah. most um, popular song as yeah. well, and it's mainly because it was on that soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, but it's really... She's got a light, lovely voice and stuff. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, but I'm sure I played 10cc on uh, an earlier podcast. I swear you did, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not that track. I probably played a different track by 10cc. But um, it proves my point, really, because when I played the 10cc track... What I point? Said, <laughs> the point I made when I played the 10cc track was that 10cc, whereas you hear Queen all the time, and there are other bands from the 70s you hear, and, you know, T-Rex is used in soundtracks and all that... Uh, 10cc have not quite been blanked out of history because they've still got a lot of fans 10cc Uh, but you don't hear their stuff as much as you hear a lot of other stuff from the 70s and 60s you don't hear them as much as you hear in fairness I hadn't heard them I don't think until you played them on the podcast or maybe I'd heard them but not really like known their name no well I'm Not In Love was their biggest hit it was a massive number one hit for weeks and weeks well there you go uh, in the mid 1970s nice to see it being revived by Kelsey Lou. And if you do want to listen to these songs in full, or just, you know, listen to 10cc's version, then um, you can find it on Spotify, but you can also find our playlist on Spotify with these songs and the ones from the other weeks. Um, You can either search Martin and Ruth or Ruthie, me and my dad. Either of those is fine. One thing that strikes me, Ruth, is you you don't appear to have done a lot of preparation for, you know, because university is just like, two or three weeks away yeah um i just wanted you know i expected to find you sharpening pencils and uh putting whitener on your pumps and everything and uh, getting all sorts of you know books and things and do they not give you ironing my petticoats yeah that sort of thing <laughs> but you know expect no, i've, to I've had some like online tasks so i've done those oh what what sort of uh, they tasks? were like some like grammar exercises to do oh, right. and those kind of things. So is that so, so they know those. what sort of level you're at? And the, a bit of that, but then also just to practice before you get there. Right. So you know you've had some sort of communication with the people who are going to be in charge of your course. Mm-hmm. 
Ah, right. Yes, I've done that. Yeah, I think it was because I, I expected more to be done sort of writing. So they just send you emails. It's just them. like online things. Yeah. yeah. So they send you Because, you know, email. 21st century. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thank you. But they've sent you... Well, I just, I, I'm just interested... So, yeah, I have been know. doing stuff you've just not really seen. Right. This is those hours you've been in your bedroom when you've been watching How I Met Your Mother and all that sort of stuff. But, I, um, yeah, I've been doing the, the things, the yeah. tasks that they've sent me and stuff. Is it good How I Met Your Mother? I know you're watching quite a bit of it. Yeah, I love it, you know. It's such a guilty pleasure, though, because it is crap, but I love it. Right, fair enough. Uh, before we leave the world of media, a bit of an apology from me to uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't know whether she listens to the podcast on a regular basis, but I did imply last week that we don't know what happened between... You know, oh, when we talk about Harvey Weinstein. Yes, she'd not spoken out about uh, Harvey Weinstein so much, and it was other actresses lower down the food chain yeah. who sort of... Uh, you know, got the yeah. got the ball rolling on Harvey Weinstein. Well, apparently she's been a source to uh, a guy, an anonymous source to a guy who's writing a book, which is detailing the investigation of Harvey Weinstein. Two reporters, they they claim it's a sort of it's been compared to all the president's men. You know, the book that brought down uh, yeah. President Nixon, and they found lots of their information from an anonymous source who was Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, Paltrow now forty six was hired by Mr Weinstein to star in a screen adaptation of Jane Austen's Emma when she was 22. Such a great film. Is it? (laughs) Well well done, Harvey. I hate it because so many of his films are... Well, the ones you like, I'm not that keen on them, but this was your standard sort of bonnets and... Oh, it's it's completely just like Pride and Prejudice or Mansfield Park or Or Sanderson on the telly. It's better than Sanderson. Yeah, Sanderson's sort of veering a bit away from Jane It's Austen veering now, a bit soap drop, surf opera. Very yeah. good one. Mm. Oh, There's nothing wrong with that. It, no, it's not surf opera, more like, it's quite like Downton or Mr Selfridge or one of those mm. less. It's, it's, less literally. It's losing kind of the subtleties of human interaction that Jane Austen really, like, nails. Yeah. I still, I um, watch it just so excited because I just love it. It's fun. Yeah. Um, anyway, she was in Emma when she was 22. Uh, Weinstein allegedly summoned her to a hotel in Beverly Hills, placed his hands on her and suggested they give each other massages in his bedroom. She said she refused and told her boyfriend, Brad Pitt, who accosted Mr Weinstein during a premiere and told him never to touch her again. Uh, Mr Weinstein berated her for this, uh, she said, but she had stood her ground, kept her role in Emma, and was later cast in his film Shakespeare I'm su- in Love. Yeah, I'm surprised she got cast in Shakespeare in Love. Mm, well, there you go. Well, uh, I, I think... I guess she may- was hot. Yes, and also... Yes, indeed. I meant to say a word after hot, and I forgot what the word was. Hot stuff? No, not hot. hot like commodity. Uh, what, what, like that kind of word. Right. She, you know when you want someone to film her? Hot property, yeah. Hot I didn't mean to just be like, yeah, she was hot. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Brad Pitt, who was also a very hot property mm. at that time, because he sort of warned Weinstein. Yeah, said he off. wouldn't work with Weinstein. Anymore. Yeah. Oh, did he say that? No, maybe. maybe. Yeah, maybe he said that. Yeah. Anyway, in the book, it says Gwyneth Paltrow was one of Harvey's biggest stars when so many other actresses were reluctant to get on the phone and scared to tell the truth about what they'd experienced at his hands. Gwyneth was one of the first people to get on the phone and she oh, was well, determined I to help. Oh, well, I owe her an apology said, as well. Cause we both owe her an apology. She didn't... Uh, not that I think she massively cares. 
No. She's probably lying in a bed of money. So. Well, she probably is lying in a bed of money. Well, she's not because she'd be lying. I mean, she's got lots and lots and lots of money, but she's put it into this business oh, goop. goop, yeah, where she advises people to steam very personal parts of their body <laughs> and uh, she's sort of uh, dietary advice and things. So she's probably and crystals a, and stuff. Yeah, very much that. Probably like uh, a memory firm or waterbed or something, I don't know. Well it would be more advanced than that. It'd probably be one that'd been, I don't know, blessed by some white witch or something. <laughs> Um, but anyway, that's uh, that's Gwyneth Paltrow for you. Meme of the week? Yes. Octopuses are going to kill us all someday. I had a biology teacher that told us this story about an octopus and an aquarium in Australia. The staff were concerned because their population of crustaceans kept disappearing. No bodies or anything. So they checked the video feed to find out what's up. Across from the crustacean tank was a small octopus tank. This little blighter squeezed out of a tiny hole at the top of his tank, walked across the hall and got into the crustacean tank. He would then hunt and eat. After he was done, he crawled back out and got back in his tank. Here's the kicker. Security guards patrolled the area. The staff realised that the octopus had memorised the security guard's routine. It would escape and be back between the guards round. Crazy. How scary are octopuses? Well, they've got eight legs. Yeah. We ought to say, before we go, that we'll be back next week. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much indeed for listening. And if you want to get in touch with us, as we already said, martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.